0: Amen. Good morning. I believe that that video is absolutely true. How is 40 days going for you? I'm hearing a lot of good stuff. I really am. I um, get the privilege of hearing from so many of you via text or email or a phone call or Seeing you in the hall, or talking with you after the service, and I want to tell you that God is doing incredible things, neat things, things that could only be attributed to Him. And I'm excited about what He's going to continue to do in the lives of our people. I'm so very excited about what He's doing in our life groups. That's really where all of this is gelled, all of this comes together. It's where this begins to make sense because we begin to practice what we learn from God's Word and what the Holy Spirit is teaching us and how He's changing us and shaping us. And uh, so I'm very, very excited about that. Life groups are so very, very important. This would really just be um, a series of seven messages, if not for our life groups, a place where we can practically work out. All that God is teaching us. If you're new, if you're visiting with us this morning, it's your first time with us, maybe the first time in a long time, I would tell you that we are right in the middle of a series called 40 Days of Love, or the greatest of these is love, and we are focusing on understanding, receiving, and experiencing God's love and how experiencing God's love impacts our relationship with other people how that we are unable to truly love other people unless we have first experienced God's love. For God is the creator and the source of love. And it's not too late to join us. We're glad that you're here, and we hope that that you'll consider finishing out this series with us. We think God is going to do neat, neat stuff uh, in and, and through our time together in His Word and learning about this significant character of God, His love. Today, we're going to talk about how to love with words, the power of words. Really, if we could just show that video, that two-minute video, maybe 10 or 15 times, so that it would sink in, so that we would embrace it, so that it would become a part of our thought process, that would probably be fine, and we could say a prayer and go home. That's really where we want to end up. We want to end up with this, with, at this place where we understand that our words have power. They have power to change lives. They have power to transform. They have power to open up people to the good news of Jesus Christ. They have power to soften a heart. They have power to harden a heart. They have power to have people turn from the truths of God. Point is, is our words have power. I want to confess before we go any further this morning, most of you who have known me for a month or longer than that know that this is already true, but it's a confession that I make anyway. Here it is. I am not perfect. I See, that doesn't surprise a soul in here. I'm not perfect. Anybody join me? Yeah, you're not perfect either. Let me Here's what James chapter 3, James the brother of Jesus writes this. James chapter 3, he says He says this. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. But if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Now, those are powerful words. God's Word is telling us that if we could control our tongues, we could control all of ourselves in every other way. But I'm not perfect. We're going to look at some practical ways that we can love with our words In just a few moments. But first, I think it's so very important that we look at the power of words. That we take a look at what James has to say in this third chapter. And we we look also at what Jesus had to say about the power of our words. Let me read this to you if I could. James chapter 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. James chapter 3. And beginning in the third verse. I think there's three things here that we see in this passage of Scripture, and I want to spend just a minute on them after we read this together. The first thing that we see is that our words have a tendency to determine our direction, that we can end up based on the words that we use. We can end up in a place based on the words that we use. It says our words determine our direction, and then it says our words have the power to destroy what we have, to kill what we have. And then it says... Our words reveal who we really are. Listen with me as we read this. James chapter 3, starting in the third verse, it says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the very image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. First, James tells us that our words determine our direction. That oftentimes in our lives, the results that we experience are determined by the words that we use. This can be true in our homes. I want to say to you, especially in our homes, it can be be applied in our business life. It can be applied at the office and at the plan and at the shop and at the store. It can be applied in our relationships at school. It can be applied in our relationships with people that we stand alongside of out on the athletic field. It can be applied in every single area of our life that our words have this way of determining where we end up. All of us have had an experience where we think to ourselves, man, I I, I wish I hadn't have said that. We know that what we said is going to take us to a place that we don't want to go. We've got to understand this morning that our words have power and our words change things and change others and change us. They have power. He says also in verse 5 and 6 that our words have the power to destroy what we have. He, he likens it to a fire that consumes the forest. The Bible tells us that our words uh, have the power to kill and to make alive. All of us know and have experienced or know those who have experienced words that have killed a career or words that have killed a relationship. The point this morning is for us to embrace this idea, to accept this idea that the words that we speak are powerful words. And then James, the brother of Jesus, one who didn't even trust in Jesus as Savior until after the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, who's writing a letter to Christians all over the known world at the time, is writing this letter to us today, specifically a letter to so many of the Jewish people who had been persecuted and had run from Jerusalem. He says this to them. He says, your words indicate who you really are. Your words reveal your heart. And it's so interesting to me that he says, he says it's, it, it, it's, it's these words, they, they're words of praise and they're words of damnation and they come out of the same mouth. That can't be right. It can't be right that that happens. And he likens it to, to a stream. A stream, and he says... If it comes from a poisonous spring, it's a poisonous stream. If it comes from a good spring, then it's a good stream. But it's either one or the other. Then we take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, and he says that 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 out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That according to what is inside of us, that is what we say. And there's this this difficulty that we have with this because we find ourselves speaking good and we find ourselves speaking evil. And how is it that it comes out of the same mouth? Here's an old Aesop's fable. If you will, it's very short. Let me read it to you real quick. Once upon a time, a donkey found a lion's skin. He tried it on, strutted around, frightened many animals. Soon a fox came along, and the donkey tried to scare the fox. But the fox, hearing the donkey's voice, said, if you want to terrify me, you'll have to disguise your bray. Bray is donkey talk. I had to look that up. And that's the end of the fable. And here's the moral of the fable. Clothes may disguise a fool, but his words will give him away. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. When you you put this together with how powerful our words are, Then it's important to understand and know the source of our words. If I control my words, my words are poison. If the Holy Spirit controls my words, my words have power to give life. If He controls my words, my words. Have power. What James says in this passage of Scripture is this, it's impossible, it's impossible for us to speak words of life unless it is God who has us, who is in control of our lives. Unless we are surrendered, unless that's our heart, unless that's the source, unless we are surrendered, unless He is in control, it is impossible for us to speak words of life. It comes down to this. Who is in control of your life? I believe that what James is trying to tell us here. What Jesus is reiterating for us in the Gospel of Matthew. Is this. Our lives must be under the control of the Holy Spirit. For us to be able to speak words that give life life. If we're in control, it's impossible for us to do that. I think it's the same thing as saying you can't show and express love unless you have first received and experienced God's love. How do we receive and experience God's love? I don't believe that that is even possible until you surrender yourself to him And ask Him to be in control of your life until you you give over yourself to Him. When God's Spirit controls us, we see things in a totally different way. We see everything in a totally different way. When God's Spirit controls us, we see, for example, His creation in a totally different way. We see a sunset or a sunrise in a totally different way. We see a mountain range or the oceans or our own family. We begin to see them in a totally different way when he is in control of our lives, when we've given up control and asked him to control us. We're different things burden us when he is in control. Different things motivate us when he is in control. We cannot love the way that He wants us to love unless He is in control of our lives. And folks, listen, this is a sticking point for a whole bunch of us. This is the place where everything gets bogged down. This is the place that we find ourselves at when we when we hear testimony about what god is doing in people's lives and what he's revealing to them and how he's changing them and how he's using them and we find ourselves scratching our heads and saying i don't get it i don't get it this isn't happening in my life this isn't working for me this isn't being this isn't good for me What the preacher's promising and what he's telling me, the Bible says, that's not been my experience in my life. It's not working for me. It's not good for me. And that's a clue as to what the problem is. It's not working for me. It's not good for me. It's not about you. It's what God wants to do in your life when He has control of your life. You can't see, you can't experience all that God has for you unless he is in control of your life. James says this perfectly clear in the third chapter. It's impossible for you to control your tongue. It's impossible. And that's really, really important when you consider that it determines your direction, your tongue does, that it has the power to consume an entire force because it's just like a fire. That's really, really important. What Jesus is saying when he says that that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, is he's saying, when I'm in control, when you've given over the control of your life, I'll I'll speak through you. I'll work through you. I'll minister through you. Jesus himself said this when he walked this earth during his earthly ministry. I don't say anything that the Father doesn't tell me to say. He was in total control of God the Father. I don't go anywhere that he doesn't tell me to go. I don't do anything that he doesn't tell me to do. That's why we know that that, that Jesus was perfect. Because his tongue, if you will, was under control of God the Father. Our tongues need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's not just one of those things that I want to recommend to you. It's one of those things that, that you can't receive and understand his love. You can't be used by him unless he's the one that's in control of your life. And if he's in control of your life, he's in control of your tongue. How do I do that, Dale? How do I, how do I make sure that he's in control of my life? Well, it's one of those things that's like praying without ceasing, which we're told to do. Pray without ceasing. Pray without... What does that mean? Well, for me, in a very practical way, it's, it's continually experiencing God's presence in my life. A presence that is very, very real. A God who is very, very real. And that I can continually have interaction with him. He can speak to me and I can, I can speak to him. It's, it's praying without ceasing. It's having conversation without ceasing. It's having interaction with God without ceasing. And so it's this thing in my life that I need to continually be reminded of. And so in my life, when I become in control of my life, when I take over the reins, when I am the one who's in charge, when it's my agenda, not his agenda, when it's my desires, not his desires, his Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, who indwells me, who indwells every believer let's me know it he tells me you're in control I'm not in control you're in control I'm not in control and at that moment it's up to me to agree with him you're right Lord you're in control I'm I'm in control not you and I agree with him the Bible calls that confession I agree with him I'm the one in control not you and then I thank him for his forgiveness Because he's already forgiven me. And I thank him for cleansing me. Lord, I agree. I'm in control, not you. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't want to do that anymore. Help me not do that anymore. And thank you for cleansing me like you promised you would do. Now, Lord, empty me of myself and fill me with you and use me. And so this is something that... Dr. Bill Bright at Campus Crusade calls spiritual breathing. I I exhale. That's my confession. I agree with you, Lord. You're right. I exhale and I inhale his spirit. I give his spirit control of my life. Spiritual breathing. It's called spiritual breathing for a very, very important purpose. Because we don't budget our physical breathing. We don't say I'm going to breathe in the morning when I get up and Then I'll breathe at lunchtime, and then I'll breathe later during the day, you know, maybe before I go to bed, so I'll get a good night's sleep. No, it's this natural thing that we do, and we do it constantly. We do it without ceasing. We physically breathe. We physically breathe, and that's the way it's got to be in our spiritual life. It's the only way that he can have control of our tongues because it's clear we can't control our tongues. And words are too powerful not to have him in control. And so this, this, this um, consistent, continual way of spiritually breathing, every time I'm aware that I'm the one in control, I just confess that. I thank him for his forgiveness. I thank him for his cleansing. I ask him to empty me of myself. I ask him to fill me with his power. I ask him to use me. And I might do that a thousand times during the day. 10,000 times. And hopefully if I do that, as I've said to you before, hopefully if I do that 10,000 times today, tomorrow I'll only do it 9,999 times. And the next day less, and the next day less, and the next day less, and voila, spiritual growth begins to take place. Spiritual maturity I begin to be used by God in ways that I could never have imagined I begin to use by God in Unexplainable ways and God in ways that could only be attributed to him. I begin to speak life He begins to use my words the problem the problem that we have is we're in control of our lives and the one who knows us best loves us most wants what's best for us, says, why don't you hand the reins to me? Why don't you follow me? Why don't you let me be in control? This has everything to do with words and the power of words in our lives. When we give him control and he begins to love in us, love us, and we experience that love, and he begins to love through us, He expresses love to other people through us. There's a multitude of different ways that that's expressed. I put down just a few of those words. When his spirit has us in control, we love people with honest words. Then we can love people with honest words. Loving people with honest words, this this is a dangerous area. We look at Jesus as a perfect example of this. There's hundreds of this in the New Testament, but let me mention a couple to you. I I, I think of the time he spoke to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And he said something like this to them. You're a bunch of snakes. He said, "How how can you speak good when your hearts are evil? That's pretty honest. I remember one time... He's teaching the disciples, and Peter speaks up and says something to Jesus, and Jesus' response to Peter was, get thee behind me, Satan. That's pretty honest. One time he's teaching the disciples, and in response to something that one of them said, he he says this, how long do I have to be with you before you start believing me? You are a faithless bunch. And I think to myself, you know what? Jesus said that? I wouldn't say that to somebody. So what's the difference? The difference is, is that Jesus was saying what he said out of love for those to whom he was speaking. Whether it was the Pharisees, or Peter, or the disciples. He was responding out of, out of honesty and not irritation. He was responding out of love and not anger. His motivation was to build people up, to even encourage people, to grow people, to teach people. He knew their hearts. And so he had this this way of, of speaking so that they would know that what his motivation was was for their good. To build them up, not to destroy them. To grow them, not to tear them down. I think that people understand that. I think people hear that. I think people experience that. We've got to learn how to speak the truth, but as Ephesians 4 says, we have to learn how to speak the truth in love. And you can't just speak the truth without love, and you can't just love without speaking the truth. It's got to be both of those things. They have to come together for God to use it the way He wants to use it. It's easier to be nice, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's easier. Look, it's easier for me to be nice on Sunday morning. But, but it, would I be loving you if I just told you what you wanted to hear? Would I be loving you if I said, everything's fine, everything's good? I, if I was your, your medical doctor and you had cancer and I told you everything was fine because I wanted to be nice, would that be loving you? I've got to, and look, I've got to do a better job of this. I've got to be able to speak the truth in love. And we've all got to learn to speak the truth in love. The only way that that's possible at all in our lives is when he's in control of our lives. He begins to, to we begin to discern his truth. We begin to love how he loves, and we begin to speak the truth in his love. When he's in control, we love people with honest words. And we love people with careful words when he's in control. (coughs) Excuse me. Three ways to be careful with your words. First, anger. Don't speak out of anger. Husbands and wives, don't speak out of anger. Anger turns a conversation into a war. And what we have this tendency to do is is, is we we stockpile bombs. You know, from yesterday and from a year ago and from ten years ago. Something he said, something she did ticked you off. You weren't honest in love about it, so it's just stockpiled back here. And you get angry and you begin to converse with one another, and you go to your stockpile and you begin bombing the other person with all of this stuff that should have been dealt with years ago, days ago. You begin to. When we speak out of anger instead of out of love, it turns into a war. Here's what the Bible says Don't let the sun go down on your anger the Bible says deal with those areas communicate interact talk about those areas speak the truth in love in your home in your neighborhood at your workplace on the athletic field love with careful words don't speak out of anger and don't gossip. Here's another way. Don't gossip. We are, we, are, we are professional gossipers. We have figured out ways to talk bad about someone else in a way that makes us feel good. Whether it's, it's in an email or a, a, a just a, a slight mention on Facebook. And it's gossip. And gossip is very clear in God's word is a sin. And he lists gossip with the vilest sins that you can think of in his lists. Gossip. Sometimes we use prayer requests to gossip. Don't do that. When God is in control of us, when his Holy Spirit is on the throne of our lives, when we're speaking as he gives us words to speak, we won't do that. This is why James says it's impossible for you to control your tongue. That's been my experience. Has that been your experience? We've got to give the control of our lives over to the Holy Spirit. Don't speak out of anger and don't gossip. And here's another thing, don't say too much. Proverbs 21 says, know when to hold your tongue. There are times when we ought to just be quiet. There are times when we shouldn't speak at all. That's how to be careful with your words. When the Holy Spirit is in control of our life, we love people with building words. Ephesians chapter 4 don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth, only what is helpful for building others up. Words can build up and words can tear down. Is this not especially true in our homes? Is this not especially true in our marriages? Is this not especially true in parenting? That we know that things that we say can can build up, they can inspire, they can move people, they they can express love, or they can hurt, they can tear down. Look, there are times when we need to hold our tongue, there are times when we need to speak. I'm speaking from the perspective of a husband and a father when I tell you that men, we have this, this, this way of thinking to ourselves something really, really uplifting about our wives or our children, but we never say it. How many times have I thought to myself, you know what? I'm with the prettiest woman in the room. I thought it, but I didn't speak it. Or how many meals that I thought to myself, I am so grateful that she would take the time to fix this meal for me, and it's really good. I thought it, but I didn't say it. And we're all guilty of that, but guys, we're especially guilty. And it will be a regret in your life. man. when the Holy Spirit gives you some affirming, uplifting, building up, love kind of words to say to your wife or to your children or to your husband, say them. They give life. I guess it comes down to this. We got to think before we talk. We have to allow Him to be in control of our lives. We have to think before we talk. This is an acrostic. This is is Rick Warren's acrostic, and I stole it from him. But I want to share it with you because I agree with it. It makes perfect sense to me. It's this this quick process that I would go through in my life. It's the acrostic think, T-H-I-N-K. And the T is this. And the words, are the words that I'm speaking the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Are the words that I'm speaking helpful, or do they harm? That's the H. Are the words that I'm speaking helpful, or do they harm? Are the words that I'm about to speak helpful, or do they harm? Do the words that I'm about to speak inspire? That's the I. Do they build up? Do they motivate? Are the words that I'm about to speak necessary? That's the end. Should I even speak at all? Is this something where the Holy Spirit would want me to make a contribution in, through my words? And are the words that I'm about to use, are they kind Because as we learned in our life groups last week, love is kind. Love is kind. Is it the truth? Does it help? Does it inspire? Is it necessary? Are these words kind? Here's your assignment. Pick one of those. Pick one of those. T-H-I-N or K. Say, Lord, I want you to do a work in my life. I want to kind of, in a very intentional way, I want to grow in this area of my life. Depending on what your situation is and depending on what your daily experience is, you pick one of those words and ask God to do an incredible work in your life in that specific area and see what he does. Folks, look. I I said last week something like, I know, I know, this isn't a, This isn't a sermon that's going to make you cry and it's not going to make you want to stand up and shout you're not going to want to get your white hanky out and wave wave it. This is just a very, very practical teaching from God's Word that has the power to transform your life and transform the lives of others. It's just pure, practical teaching. And since there's nothing to make you cry... There's nothing to make you shout. We have a tendency just to leave it here. I want you to know God can transform your life with this. Words are powerful. Words can kill or they can give life. We can't reach our community for Christ. We can't make God famous in our community without this teaching. So how's God going to use it in your life? Let me invite you to stand. Everybody's standing. Father God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for what you've taught us today. I guess, Lord, if, if we're not motivated by it, it's because we can't love the way you love us until we've experienced your love. If we're not inspired by it, if we're not driven by it, it has to be, it could only be because we're in control of our lives. Lord, I wonder if maybe you hadn't thought, maybe that you had have given us this teaching to use more as an evaluation tool of whether or not you are in control of our lives or we're in control of our lives. That we can tell by the words that we speak who's in control of our lives. Reveal that to us in this moment. This, this time of, of worship, this time of meditation, this time of interaction with you, our Creator who is here, who is real, who loves us, who stands beside us. Lord, reveal to us Your truth. Reveal to us how to respond. Take over the reins of our lives. Take over control of our lives. We confess that we've been in control. We thank You for Your forgiveness. We thank You for Your cleansing. We ask You to empty us of ourselves and to fill us with Your power. We want to experience Your love. Oh, how You love us may those words be our experience oh how you love us and Lord we want to experience your love so that we can love others so you move among us accomplish what you want to accomplish in every single heart in life we'll praise you and we'll thank you for that team you lead us while we do business with God.